0: For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia.
1: Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm so glad that you are joining me this afternoon. And I'm very excited. I have um, a guest This is Melinda Means, and if you've been listening to the show, you've heard her on it before with her co-author, Friend, that had written a book called Mothering from Scratch. And so this is her second book, and I'm so excited to have her on the air. This is an an amazing book, and it is called Invisible Wounds, Hope While You Are Hurting. And it is truly a a book of, of much depth. And I'm excited for her to really talk to us about this particular book. So I want to tell you a little bit about her. She is, I I like how she refers to herself. She says, she's a weary soul in need of refreshment from the only source who can quench our thirst. And after years of chronic pain and questioning God's plan, she found the joy of seeking the healer more than the healing. That that is a powerful statement. So she's the women's director at her church and the co-author, again, I told you, from Mothering from Scratch. Finding the best parenting style for you and your family, and I loved that book. It was great, so I encourage you to also look into that one. She's also sp- a professional speaker and a writing coach, and she's been featured on Faith Radio and a hun- at and a hundred Huntley Street as well as numerous other radio outlets. And she and her husband, Mike, are parents of two teenagers. So, Melinda, thank you for being on the show this morning. Oh, or I should say so this much. afternoon. Sorry about that.
2: <laughs> thank you so much for having me, Cynthia. Well,
1: I'm glad that you're I'm here. to be here. Yes, and, uh, you know, the, some of the, this book is really um, very fascinating. It talks about being isolated in pain. It's the desperate need for support. It's, you know, your history of a chronic illness. And then you also include stories from seven other brave and beautiful women who really shared their invisible wounds.
2: Yes, you know, I think that that added um, a lot uh just a lot of depth to the book. I mean, I could speak from my experience with my own chronic illness, and my son um, has a chronic illness as well. But I didn't want this one just or this um, book just to be about my my wound, my physical wound. Right,
1: right. I wanted
2: any woman to be able to pick up this book and maybe see herself um, in someone else's story. You know, whether it was um, there's a stories about uh, sexual abuse, um, you know, rejection, uh, shame, betrayal. So, uh, you know, just the idea was to, to give a lot of women a voice in this book um, that would also just help other women to say, okay, I, can, I can't see myself in this story, but boy, can I relate. And the other thing is that no matter what our wound is, Cynthia, I really think the the doubts that we have the emotions that we go through uh, are often pretty universal. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Well, I think you know this this whole idea of saying invisible wounds. I think that's really powerful because one of the things that that I find in my practice, I find in my my own life is that the obvious wounds like if you have a broken leg or you know, you got in a car wreck or you know these types of like things that are are obvious, or say you know these are many times easier to deal with. They they are they kind of make more sense, and 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 it may not be as as complicated as these invisible wounds, like a chronic illness or sexual abuse, you know, or or deep insecurities or body image issues, whatever that is. Those are harder to to really talk about because we can look kind of normal on the outside.
2: Um, absolutely, and. Uh i think honestly that was i I do look like the picture of health and i think that that was a big barrier for me um over all these years as far as really sharing the depth of the suffering that that i experienced because i thought well who's going to believe me
1: exactly exactly (laughs) I,
2: i look fine and and the other thing with chronic pain no matter what type of pain whether it's physical or emotional I think you build up a tolerance and a you know a resistance for example somebody asked me yesterday I I had a a bad migraine and I had things I had to do at church and and um, I I went to lunch with this person afterwards and she said how are you here if you have a migraine how are you here (laughs) and functioning right exactly you know You just learn to cope you know it doesn't mean that you're not suffering you've just learned to cope and um, I you know I think that's hard sometimes for people to understand um, when you look from the outside like you're perfectly fine
1: (laughs) well I think that's one of the hardest things especially with there's more chronic illness than than we really understand and the complication that comes with chronic illness because it, it, sometimes you don't know why you're not having pain that day. Right. And then the next day you do, and it, it's a very disruptive in your life, and it makes you feel irresponsible, like you let people down, and it really, it, it's just this ongoing management when it's a chronic illness.
2: Absolutely. Uh, and, yeah, and it's hard to explain to anyone who hasn't experienced it, and, and that, I think, is what can be isolating sometimes. It is, um, you know, people can sympathize, but a lot of people have a hard time really relating um, to what to what you're going through, and uh, I think that's what tends to keep us quiet.
1: Is well, they also want a solution. They want a solution, right? You know, and they want to tell you all the things that they've heard of, and you say, "I've done that, I've done that, yeah. I've tried that, tried that," you know, okay. and and then it, it then it can sound like, you know, if if you're dealing with people that are you know, moderately unhealthy to very unhealthy emotionally, It can be shaming because they can mm. make it sound like you're the problem and you must not be working hard enough or you might, you know, you must be making it up or malingering or whatever.
2: Right. You know, or they, they try to, um, they don't mean to, but right. they, can try, they can minimize it right. by the things they say and then you just end up feeling like, oh, well, so I shouldn't be feeling this
1: way. Right, or why did I share it all?
2: Right, right. I felt better before I freaked out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so now you're back to being alone in right. the pain. Yes. Well, do you share in this book what the illness is?
2: I do. And, you know, that was probably the scariest part of writing this book for me. Um, because uh, except for the, just uh, you know, my closest family, right, time, right. no one really knew this. And how it all started, Cynthia, was um, on the day that should have been the best, one of the best days of my life, this whole chronic illness journey started. Um, It it was the day that my my first child was born. Right. And um, within 24 to 48 hours, I began to have these uh, feelings of extreme um, bladder pain. Right. And. I, you know, of course thought it was a UTI, got treated for UTI. Well, it just didn't. It, it never got better. And um, went through a couple of years of, you know, well, at, at least a year of just searching for answers on my own because I just couldn't get answers um, from, from doctors. And, and finally found out that I have a, that I have a condition called interstitial cystitis is a chronic inflammation of the bladder lining. And yes. Yes. That yes. Is,
1: I have heard of this and it's kind of new in diagnosing, isn't it?
2: It it is. And you know, it's not a real common thing. Right. So it's not like, you know, every couple of years they've got some new great better treatment out there for it.
1: Exactly.
2: There's not a lot more out there today than there was almost 20 years ago when I was, you know, first dealing with this and you know, uh, one doctor explained to me that sometimes trauma can flip a switch in your body.
1: And trauma in terms of emotional trauma or physical trauma? Um, both, actually. Right, okay.
2: For me, it was, you know, maybe both in that right. when you're pregnant and childbirth and everything, you, right. have, you have a combination. Um, and that just kind of set off this alarm in my body and... Um, And it's just kind of progressed into other conditions, um, all autoimmune-related. Exactly. um, Migraines, uh, joint and muscle Mm -hmm. pain, um, chronic anemia. So, you know, if one thing feels good one day, then something else is acting up. (laughs) Right. Um, So, but, you know, as afraid as I was to share this, and the first time I shared it was last fall at a conference at my church, and... The response was amazing. Um,
1: can, can, you, can you tell the listeners why you've been so afraid to share? Like, I think that would help people to understand, you know, because many times, like, you got this wonderful response from people, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's like, you can think, like, well, I didn't expect that kind of a response. Right. So what, tell the <laughs> listeners, you know, because I know they can relate to that. Why are we so unwilling to share our pain?
2: Well, for me, I don't think it was just one reason. Um, I think that, I think a big thing for me was I've minimized my own pain.
1: Okay. So you I, thought uh, everybody else might. Well, you know, we have one minute. We have about one minute left. So, yeah. so tell me a little bit more, and then we're going to really come back into this, because I think it's really important.
2: Absolutely. Um I think I just thought, you know, everybody. There's a lot of people that have it worse than me. Um, I don't want to be a complainer. Um, it's probably not as bad as I think it is.
1: <laughs> wow! Yes, all that condemnation, <laughs> not believing so, yourself, not being allowed to believe yourself.
2: Mm, that was that was a big one for me, and you know, I just, I, I just thought, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to share this because I don't want to. I don't want to seem like. Um, you know that i 'm feeling sorry for myself uh, when I know that there 's a lot of people who have who have bigger problems than I do <laughs> uh,
1: of course <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think that 's one of the hardest things that we do is this idea that that people are going to think that that we're dramatic or, you know, that we are being a prima donna or we're feeling sorry for ourselves, and that there are so many bigger problems on the planet. And, you know, and then if we do share, then it's like, then we get worried that now every time someone sees me, that's the first thing they're going to think about me. And, you know, that's that's
2: the second thing, and I don't know if
1: we have... Let me take uh, us to the break, and we'll come back with that. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. I have Melinda Means with me on the line. Join us in the next segment as she talks about her new book, Invisible Wounds. welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and you are joining me today with author Melinda Means. And she is talking to us about her second book that she has written called Invisible Wounds, Hope While You Are Hurting. So I want to encourage you to make sure that you really can hear this whole entire show. This is a really amazing topic that she has taken on, and her life story is is very powerful as to how she talks about hope and healing. And so if you are just tuning in and you're not able to listen to the whole show, make sure you check out CynthiaHyatt.com and you can listen to the show in its entirety. You also can email Melinda Means at MelindaMeansAuthor at gmail.com and her website is MelindaMeans.com and that's the traditional spelling of Melinda and her last name is spelled M-E-A-N-S. And that's melindameans.com. So, Melinda, thank you for, for joining us today. And we, we left off in the last segment talking about when you finally came out and disclosed the chronicity of the illness that you're dealing with. And the fears that you would have of how people responded. And then we kind of talked about this idea then we get afraid of telling. And then we get afraid that the next time we see people, the only thing they're going to think about is what we told them.
2: Yes, absolutely. And, and that was another um, big fear of mine. I did not want I did not want my illness to become my identity. Exactly. And um, I mean I'll, and I will be honest, yes, since I, I have gotten so much prayer support and concern um, from just beautiful women in my church since this um, since I you know have been open with my story. But I I have gotten a lot of, you know, um, how are you feeling today? Right. How are things going?
1: Like they don't know how to relate to it any other way than now they have a connecting (laughs) point. So let's talk about your illness.
2: Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Right. And so, you know, to be honest, some of that fear has been realized. Um, Yes. There are people that I, that that that's just the first thing that they ask me. And, but what I want to say about that is, that the benefits of reaching out have far outweighed Absolutely. Uh, the cons. Absolutely. <laughs> the pros yes. the cons. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I would never go back to that isolation. Um, and, you know, and I've just learned to say, you know what, they don't mean to make that up my identity.
1: No. And, no some and, of it is out of love for you that they finally have a way to really actually connect with you personally.
2: It, right. Exactly, and I know some people ask because they really are praying for me. Absolutely. And and they want to know specifically how they can pray. Um, So I've learned to get much less defensive about it. Right. And see it as a positive rather than a negative.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. You know, it is hard to bring light in the dark places. You know, it, it can be very frightening what is exposed and then... You know, we can't undo what people know. And so, you know, the enemy is so diabolical in keeping us isolated and then wanting to make us pay when we have come out into the light. And so I think you make a great point in saying that no matter how uncomfortable being out in the light is, you would never go back.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, I feel um, I am not free of my disease.
1: Right, right.
2: But I am free of my isolation.
1: Yes, indeed.
2: And that has been priceless.
1: (laughs) Yes. And so there is less stress not being isolated, even though there may be some stress in being exposed.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: Well, I think that's very powerful because the enemy really wants to keep humans isolated because then he can keep the body from being unified you know, and in unity, there's strength.
2: That's right. And when we're alone in our pain and all those questions that tend to come along with the pain, like, you know, just personally, the questions that I've wrestled with, just, you know, if God says he loves me, how can he ignore my prayers, you know, for healing and for just not even sometimes just for healing, Cynthia, but just I am in extreme pain today. Exactly. Or I'm not even asking you to heal my disease. I'm just asking you to make me feel better today. Yeah, just some,
1: some, re- <laughs> some relief for a moment. Right. Yes.
2: Just some relief. And when we sit alone with those questions, I think that that's when Satan can just really have a field day. Yes. In our, in our minds and in our hearts, and we begin to get really um, bitter and resentful. Um, because we don't have anybody to speak truth into our situation and our thought processes. Because honestly, when we're in pain, we lose perspective <laughs> pretty easily. Well,
1: you know, I think you bring up a really good point. What I have found in my, in my own life, but also in my practice, is that there are so many questions, so many whys that we will never have answers for. And when we don't have an answer and we're isolated, it's unbearable. But when we don't have an answer and we're not isolated, we're, we're we're connected to people. The why isn't as important when we feel connected, when we feel loved, when we feel accepted, when someone's giving us some sympathy and empathy and compassion. The why isn't necessarily as important.
2: I, I definitely agree. And, and also, what happens is when you know we share, hey, you know, I'm having these these doubts. I'm having these questions. I don't understand what God is doing. You know. To have somebody say, I've had those doubts too. I I've wrestled with that as well. And here's how I have found God met me in the middle of that. And just hearing other women's experiences and having them say, Look, I you're not alone. I have had I've had those same questions, um, and those that same anger and on all of those things, um, that that's just been very encouraging and very freeing. Well,
1: you know, it makes it yes, it makes it okay to be human.
2: Yes.
1: And the, the uh-huh. it's not a sin to be human. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. you know, I tell myself <laughs> that I tell clients all the time. God really understands humans. He made them and it's not a sin to be human. You know, and so we have about two minutes before we get to the end of this segment. So we're going to come back and have you be in the next, you know, half hour. And so I'm excited about that. So what what would you like to tell listeners in terms of what we're going to be talking about in the next half hour? And then make sure they know how to get a hold of you.
2: Okay. Awesome. Well, what I'd like to explore a little bit maybe in the next part of the show is just um, how we can... One of the the chapters in my book is embrace the race that you've been given. And that's been a very hard part of my journey is to say, you know, God, even if you don't heal me, even if nothing changes, I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to serve you. And I'm going to quit fighting my reality and I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to, um, just trust that you're going to lead me through each step of this journey, even if it's one that I would not have chosen for myself, <laughs> yes. one that I would have not chosen for my son. Um, so, and, and also just maybe talk about some of the, some of the gifts that God can bring us um, in our pain. And it's hard for us to see those when we're fighting our reality.
1: Absolutely.
2: Awesome. Um, but well, tell, I, tell, them,
1: tell them how to get a hold of you.
2: Sure. Uh, they can uh, email me at Melinda Means, and it's M E A N S author, Melinda Means author at gmail.com. Uh, I also have a website and blog at melindameans.com.
1: Great. Well, thank, thank you, listeners, and join us in the next segment with Melinda Means. This is Cynthia Hyatt with um, Conversations with Cynthia. Well welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for joining me today. And I'm excited about the author that we have on our show today. This is Melinda Means, and she has written a new book called Invisible Wounds: Hope While You Are Hurting. And if you've listened to the show in the past, you might recognize her voice. She was with us when her and a co-author wrote a book called Mothering from Scratch. And that was a great book. So, Melinda, we are so glad you're on the show today. And we kind of left off this last segment talking about this saying that you have kind of coined, and that is embrace the race you've been given. And I love that. So talk a little bit about this and and the, the fighting and the resisting and how hard it is to find gifts in the midst of hardship when we're fighting so hard. Well,
2: from my own experience, Cynthia, for, for 20 years, I have been looking for a result.
1: Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I, yes. I have
2: been searching for an outcome. Yes, indeed. Uh, I can't tell you how many doctors I've been to, how many supplements I've taken, how many you know um, Google searches I've done to find the miracle cure. <laughs> and over this last year, my, my pain got, my pain levels increased dramatically and God just really brought me to my knees through that experience and it was almost like I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me do you really trust me? You know, Do you really trust me even if nothing ever changes?
1: Wow, that's hard.
2: And I, you know, and I think I say in the book that every healthy relationship has to have trust. And if we can't trust God, then really what kind of, or how can we have a thriving relationship with our Heavenly Father if we can't trust Him? And so that was a really important question for me to answer. And I think pain drives us to our knees and it did and I had to just really cling to him and as I began to cling to him sometimes it's hard to explain what the Holy Spirit does I know it
1: is it is is. (laughs) but I think the listeners are getting it this is very powerful
2: but I began to realize you know my hope is not in a supplement that I take right exactly my my hope is not in a doctor my hope is in Jesus Wow. And I know that even if he chooses not to heal me on my timetable or until heaven, um, I know that he is going to give me, I can trust him to give me what I need to walk each step of this journey. And when I began to make that shift in my mindset and in my heart, I began to quit. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still try to take care of myself. Absolutely, I still see doctors. But I realized that um, that was not going to be where my primary uh, emphasis was going to be anymore. I wasn't going to tie all of my joy and my happiness to that elusive day when things got better. And I began to be able to see the beauty. That's another um, chapter <laughs> in my book, Beauty and the Brokenness. Right. Being able to see the beauty um, in the gift of pain.
1: <laughs> I mean, that, that's one of the more amazing things when you learn. And, and I, it's kind of like describing this idea that instead of looking to God for the healing, I need to look to God for my relationship, for my source, for whatever that means in my life. Instead of just saying, I'm trying to know God so that I can get what I need.
2: Right.
1: You know, it's, I still need to know God, whether I get what I think I need or not. I still need to know God.
2: God isn't just a means to the end. And that, see,
1: that it's so hard. You know, when we're in pain, though, and you think Mm -hmm. that's your only source, that you've exhausted every other source, and he's your last one, and he's not coming through, and he owns the universe and created everything, and he could do anything he wanted to do, and he's not doing what you need him to do that that is a big deal that is a crisis of faith and Absolutely. that is one of the most difficult things to deal with when we feel like we may not be able to trust who we think god is anymore
2: that's
1: right so we're going to we're going to kind of i think if we talk about that in the next segment i think that will be very helpful for people and for the listeners because the world right now as it is going is mm-hmm. getting harder and harder for us to see god moving mm-hmm. and so it's requiring us as as believers to really say are we going to believe when we can't see and believe when we can't feel or are we just going to be those believers that only believe when god is doing good things and our lives are working so this is cynthia hyatt with conversations with cynthia join me in the last segment this is some very powerful information and help that melinda means has in her book and this is invisible wounds hope while you're hurting so make sure you join us in the next segment Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. And I am Cynthia Hyatt. Always want to make sure that you check out the website at cynthiahyatt.com. It is new, it's brand new, so please check it out. We love to have your feedback. And that's C I N T H I A H I E T -T T.com. Also, Facebook, Cynthia Hyatt Inc., that's INC for Incorporated. You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, YouTube, all those wonderful places. So I have today with me Melinda Means, if you're just joining us. She is um, a Christian author and has written a book previously called Mothering from Scratch. She was on the show a couple of years ago. So I'm excited about this new book that she has. It's called um, Invisible Wounds, Hope While You Are Hurting. And it's truly her story of a a long-term chronic illness and what she has gone through in her relationship with God, relationship with others, And the whole idea of understanding how God does this, who God is, and what do we do when we have a crisis of faith, when we recognize that this is the God of the universe, He could turn my circumstances around in a heartbeat if He wanted to, and He's not. Why is He not hearing my prayers? Or why is He not answering my prayers? So Melinda, talk to us a little bit about that and how you've really turned this into something very beautiful.
2: Well, you know, these are big, like theological questions.
1: Yes, they are, and, and the theologians have not been able to answer exactly. them either. <laughs> <So>.
2: <laughs> exactly, and so I say in this chapter, I have not, I have not answered all questions. Exactly, I, sure, I have not removed all doubt, but I can only share what I believe that God has revealed in my own personal circumstance. Right. And, um, you know, that was—I'll tell you—one of the nagging question that I believe the enemy planted early in my mind um, when I began on this journey was, you know, your earthly father would heal you in a minute if he could.
1: Right, exactly. And your
2: heavenly father, who is supposed to love you infinitely more and has all the power in the universe to do so, doesn't. Exactly. So what does that mean? And... I think that, like I said, this last year has been pretty transforming for me in my mind and heart. And I think what I just, as I began to to cling to the healer and dig into his his word, it's just really internalizing some truths that maybe I knew in my head, but had not made their way into my heart. Right. And... No, this was not how god designed things to be right exactly this was was not his plan he did not want suffering to come into the world but he also wanted to give us free will he didn't want us to be robots Um, he wanted us to choose relationship with him but you know free will means the freedom to choose good and the you know the freedom to choose evil and we have chosen evil you know, again and again um, throughout history. And it's brought, you know, from the beginning, from the beginning has brought just pain and suffering and, and it's it just upset the order of how God designed things to be.
1: Exactly. But,
2: you know, God could have left us in our in our terrible condition, but he sent his son to die for us. To rescue us, and when I think about the suffering that Christ went through, that He didn't have to go through, but He chose to for us. um, I guess it just—it was just—I really internalized that a God who did that for me loves me. Right, and I know right. that sounds so simple <laughs> and simplistic. Well, you know, it's
1: no, it's kind of what we were talking about earlier on when I said, you know, sometimes the more connected we are to people, the more relationship, the more um, substant- substantive our relationships are, the better our relationship is to God, the less we need to know the why he's mm-hmm. not doing something mm-hmm. or, or is going to do something. Right. and And I think that some of it is that that maturity and faith that comes down to just some things aren't going to get worked out down here. And, and it's hard for us to understand because we want to personalize it and think, but why me? Why can't you just fix Mm -hmm. that? You know, it seems so simple. And, and what I've really come to understand with God is that if it seems simple to me, it's probably very, very complicated. And the very complicated things to me are very simple to God. And so it's just, when I remind myself that I'm young still when it comes to God. He really is my Heavenly Father. I cannot comprehend the things that He comprehends. The same way as when I was six, I couldn't comprehend the world my parents were, were living in and what they were mm-hmm. doing to care for me. And I had to trust Him.
2: And that, right, and it comes back down to that issue of trust. Yes. You know, I can trust a God that sent His Son to die yes. a horrible death for me. And then I also think, you know, when we... When we recognize our position, that that we, you know, we live in a, in a society that is so entitlement driven. Yes. Now, I'm entitled to this. I deserve this. And I think when we really understand our position in Christ, which is the love that he has for us, but also how unworthy and undeserved that love is. That's right. It kind of lifts that entitlement mentality from mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. And when we stop saying, well, you know, why is this happening to me? And exactly. I don't deserve this. When, when that is transformed in our mind, it's just, it's a, it is a life-changing shift. Well, it's
1: a whole <laughs> new level of humility that yeah. Americans are not good at doing. Right. You know, and, and there's a humility that says, who am I to talk back to God? Mm. You know, and tell him how his world should be and how I should be experiencing the world that he created. Who am I to talk back to God? And, and that's a tough one because at the same time I'm trying to have a relationship with him, I still need to respect who he is. And so, you know, he's right. so good about making the relationship casual with me that sometimes I forget, wow, this is, this is the God of the universe I'm talking to. And so I'm what a gift that I get to actually be casual with him. But that yes. does not mean that I get to tell him how to run the world. Right. And that right. is a tough one because I have it's... good i have good ideas, Melinda. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Me too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's painful.
2: It is well, painful. And I think that um, we are certainly allowed to share our frustrations with Absolutely. God. I mean, I go back to the Psalms. And, yes, yes. And over this last year when I was so just in a really bad way. A friend of mine who has been through a terrible battle and is still battling leukemia said to me, you know, Melinda, when I don't know what to pray, when I just can't even form the words, I go to the Psalms and I pray the Psalms. Um, and, you know, David David was very honest with God and yet you still felt that there was just an incredible awe, and respect for God. So Absolutely. I think we can ask those questions and share our frustrations, but do them in a way that you know, isn't telling God how to run his world.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, I think it's just this ongoing tension that, you know, we are wanting that closeness and intimacy with God, but we are wanting closeness and intimacy with a being that is beyond our comprehension, and so, you know, there's always going to be a breakdown somewhere, and and it really comes down to some of those more esoteric or very, yeah, esoteric concepts of acceptance, trust, you know, and and realizing that, that he is who he says he is, whether I am experiencing him or not, and that whether the world is making sense to me or not, he still is who he says he is, and he's still going to do what he's going to do, and his will is will be done and sometimes when I ground myself with some of those very basic truths then I start to to then work back toward relating again I have to come back to wait a minute who am I to talk back to God I have to come back to this is his world he created it it's been torn apart in spite of him and he is still working actively on fixing the world that was destroyed you know that he had no part of destroying so he's still hanging in there with us which that's in and of itself is major, you Ah. know. And if I can remind myself of some of those things, then it doesn't mean that the pain isn't there. Mm. But it starts to take on, I get a different perspective. And I get some peace that passes all understanding, which, you know, you and I, I don't like peace without understanding. (laughs) 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 I would prefer to understand and then I will have peace, you know. And and God says, I'm going to have to give you peace because you can't understand.
2: Well, and, and going back to the Psalms, what I love about the Psalms is, you know, David can say, where are you? Why are you not doing something? Why, right. like, you know, my enemies are devouring me. Where are you in all this? And he, you know, kind of lets God have it. Exactly. Then he, then he comes back to, but I know you are good. Yes. But I know that you are my only hope. I I know that you are, are my savior and my victor. And so it's kind of like what you were talking about, Cynthia, you know, just coming back we can have all those emotions, but not allow those to become our truth.
1: I think, that, I think that's more important than anything. You know, so we have, like, I think about five, six minutes. So I want to also have you address this one question that is, when, when a woman wants to read out, reach out to others, but is afraid to do this, to share, you know, because of being rejected and mm-hmm. misunderstood, how do you help with that? You know, vulnerability, it's risky
2: it is it is risky and i know we you know we talked about that like early on in this in the show um and i wish i you know like i said i wish i could tell you everybody is going to understand your pain
1: right right
2: <laughs> but the reality is that that they're not right and i think it's especially difficult for those ongoing wounds people tend to know what to do in a crisis you know um they can, you know, if it's something short term,
1: exactly. You know, they can
2: bring you meals. They can, um, you know, pick up your kids from school if you, you need it. Or, it, but I think long term wounds make people uncomfortable because they don't know how to fix them.
1: Right, and there's no level of success that they can measure.
2: Right. We know as humans, none of us likes to feel ineffective.
1: <laughs> exactly. So we have we have about two minutes, mm-hmm. which I can't believe it goes so fast. I know. So maybe you could give us some, some encouragement, some just parting yeah. words, and then I'll also make sure you let people know how to get a hold of the book.
2: Sure. Well, I would do, and I, I talk about this in one of the chapters, about looking for safe people. And I'll just give you quickly a, just a couple of qualities
1: of okay, safe perfect. people,
2: is look for women who have been through wounds themselves, through difficult times themselves, and they're better for it instead of bitter
1: oh that's a great that's great insight
2: um and you know my pastor calls them me too people (laughs) (laughs) you know just ask god to to kind of you know give you discernment and then maybe just share a little bit of your story or a little bit of your struggle and if somebody says to you me too i i have i have thought that i have had that struggle as well you know that they're probably somebody you can, you can share a little more deeply with.
1: Right. Um, so we have about one minute.
2: All right. Well, I am so thankful for this <sighs> opportunity to share with your listeners. And if they want to know a little bit more about me and my ministry, they can reach me um, on the web at melindameans.com or by email um, at melindameans at gmail.com. And then, again, the name of the book is Invisible Wounds, Hope While You're Hurting.
1: And this is coming out next week.
2: It is. It's All right. It launches uh, April or, uh, sorry, August 23rd.
1: Well, Melinda, it has been great to have you again on the show. And I'm going to look forward to seeing how this this book goes. I know it's going to be great. And so listeners, make sure that if you haven't been able to listen to the show, visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and make sure you visit us on Facebook at Cynthia Hyatt Inc. That's Science for Incorporated. Have a blessed week and I'll talk to you next week.
0: Motivating and inspiring to you.